So welcome everybody to our uh, second Saturday's uh, poetry reading. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Dan Kerr and I have the privilege to be your moderator at this uh, uh, monthly poetry uh, hosted by uh, Dr. Richard Bronson, who's the Poet Laureate of Suffolk County. Uh, we start roughly on time. So we started a couple of minutes late because we did have some people who logged in late. Um, please note, if you want to be participate in the open read, you got to put your name in chat and we will call upon you uh, in the order they appear in chat. And Marvin has already jumped the gun because when he logged in, he told us he wanted to go first. So thank you, Marvin. Always, always got to get the, the one person to get it started. Uh, please keep your microphone muted uh, during the poetry so we don't get the distraction of the barking dogs and the ringing phones or Kathy, the plumbing problems, which uh, might manifest themselves. Um, Feedback is a gift. So if you have feedback, if you like something we did, if there's something we could do better, something we did wrong, do send an email to danielbkerr at verizon.net. Uh, we I review the feedback regularly with Kathy and with uh, Richard uh, Bronson as well. So we start at 11, I'll get you grounded. I'll get everybody set it up. I'll turn it over to Dr. Bronson. Uh, Claude will be our featured poet today. He'll read for about 20 minutes. Then we'll proceed to the open read. Uh, and then we'll, we'll call Claude back for an encore. And then Dr. Bronson will have some concluding remarks and um, announce the poet that we'll have with us in March. Um, this, I realize that you're here for poetry, not for evangelization, but I will tell you that this is one of the many outreach programs of all, the historic All Souls Church in Stony Brook Village. Uh, if you want more information on the church and the things that we do to serve the community, this is the website, and this is where you can find a recording of this uh, session as well. Uh, there are a couple of things. I'll just mention three things that we found that the poetry community uh, participates, uh, uh, likes knowing about and, and, and likes to participate as well. We have a monthly concert series in the historic church, and the group that we have on March 4th is the Lessard Guitar Duo. Uh, the gentleman there actually is the head of the guitar program at Long Island University's uh, CW Post Campus. Uh, so that's a guitar duo on March 4th. The poetry, we recognize all those handsome people there in the middle. Uh, we do that every, it's not just, we recognize we have some friends of Claude who joined us today. That's great. Uh, now that you've joined us, please note that we do this the second Saturday of every month as well. We also do Native American drumming in the church the fourth uh, Thursday of the month as well. Um, there are two programs that we do. Um, that uh, directly involve, in addition to poetry, that directly involve the poets. So we do an annual uh, special concert, con uh, Conversations on the Sacred. Uh, Margaret Bugin, who many of you know is a very talented poet. She, this was her, something she and I collaborated on. Uh, and what we do here is we have sacred readings, which are done by the various poets. You'll recognize the people standing there on the altar. Uh, this is what they read last year. And then in between each poem, uh, we have a musical reflection by students from the university. So it's the one time a year we combine poetry, the concerts, uh, and our Native American drummer. You'll see him back in the back row. He joins us as well. And then the other thing is we do the annual Souls for All Souls 5K race, 2K walk. Uh, this, this celebrates the role of the church in the community. It also raises funds to make the church accessible. It's at the top of the hill. We don't have a bathroom. These are two big challenges. You know, when Stanford White designed the church in 1896, the life expectancy in the U.S. was 50 years. So accessibility was not at the top of his list. Uh, the date this year is October 1st. Each year we have a group of poets. Uh, so far, we've had a group of poets that have walked together as the Live Poets Society. Here they are walking last, uh, last year. 
Uh, maybe at some point we'll have some that run as well, but uh, please mark your calendar for that. It's great to have uh, the Live Poet Society with us. So on behalf of All Souls, welcome. And at this point, I will turn it over to Dr. Bronson. Richard, over to you. Okay, well, welcome everyone. It's good to be here today. And uh, what I wanna do is, is uh, start the, uh, the morning by reading a couple of poems from my most recent book, Imperfect Knowledge, and then after that, we have the uh, great honor to introduce uh, Claude Mayer, who's, who's our uh, poet uh, for this morning. So both these poems are related in some aspect of medicine, since that's my background. I thought I would go in that direction this morning. Uh, the first is called Subterfuge. And it has an epigraph from the New England Journal of Medicine. Two probable carcinogens have been identified in active pharmaceutical ingredients used in two factories located in China and India. Now the poem. I picked up a script, one of the big chains, large pink pills, different from the last refill. Googled the name on the label, made in India, and FDA warnings to boot. What about brand, I asked the pharmacist. Parried, always on a short fuse, reduced to shift work. He shook his head. You think brand's better? 200 bucks, I'll give you brand. Not covered by your plan. I just dispense. Don't take it up with me. He smiled a sneer, and I walked out, called a friend who still owned his pharmacy. Drug, <clears throat> drugs are made, who knows where these days. I've got a great generic from a trusted American firm. Come by, it's worth the drive. Next day, he handed me a stylish bottle. I twisted open the cap, broke through the foil seal, pulled out a wad of cotton, looked inside. Large pink pills scored in the middle. They had subcontracted to India. It's a problem we face today, but not only the expense, but where am Drugs made and are they uh, safe? Here's a, a second poem called First Do No Harm. In heady days of his education, he devoured fruit from the tree of knowledge, binged on ideas, gorged on words of biochemists, bacteriologists, pathologists, and regurgitated them. Enthralled with science, a sense of infallibility, everything seemed possible. Progress is mantra. Yet time passed. New paradigms replacing old. Drugs had prescribed a little good. Procedures no benefit if not harm. In that sea of fallacies and fashions, false compass bearings could be made. He sailed a fragile bark, fearing shipwreck on the Isle of Era. Caution, now his watchword. Yeah, in medical school, you're learning so much, you think you know it all, and then time goes by and you realize that's not the case. Anyway, uh, I'd like to now move on and welcome uh, very much our uh, poet uh, for today, uh, Claude Myers. So a very interesting background, <laughs> editor, permanent writer for the Kauai News, I assume that's Kauai, Hawaii, and radio host, interviewer, for KSESB in Santa Barbara in the 70s, and then uh, a radio station in Southampton and a radio show in Sag Harbor. Did a TV host, producer, director, uh, 
etc. And uh, podcasts. And I like the titles of this. Trump Poems, Volume 1. <coughs> poetry uh, books published. A uh, couple of books. Uh, and then, interestingly, we performed a reading on of Anna Karenia by Leo Tostoy. So it's wonderful to have you here today. I'm looking forward to a really interesting, interesting reading. Thanks so much for being with us today, Claude. Over to you, Claude. You just got to turn on your mic. There you go. We're on, Dan. You are on. I'm going to shut up. Okay. You can inter intersperse comments anytime you want. Okay, so I want to thank everybody for letting me on here with Kathy Donnelly, Richard Bronson, and of course, Daniel Kerr at the controls. So we're going to read a whole bunch of poems here. Let's start off with um, something for Kathy Donnelly, because she told me that she had plumbing problems, and that's happened to me, and I just happened to bring, bring along a book, a poem rather, uh, relative to plumbing problems after Richard brought again the right the short story writer from California and the short novel writer and the poem's called change the plumbing to poetry didn't that sound much better we had turned the water in our house for a couple of days because we had the toilet bowl from hell you can chant and change the plumbing to poetry but it won't save your ass Shakespeare and Emily Dickinson floating where the bathtub was. Robert Frost and Ezra Pound chilling, swirling the ice in their glasses, expounding soliloquies to better the souls of the omniscient in the kitchen, relaxing instead of attacking the weak for their money or labor. Alas, how can you shower in real poetry? It doesn't drip and it doesn't spritz. When your tongue is dry or your heart is thirsty, drinking words doesn't satisfy the daily need for water. Hydrating your kidneys, supplying your cells with moisture and minerals riding through their membranes. Your ohms and ahs may facilitate the spirit to elevate itself off the floor of the loft or the meditation room. However, when dirt must be copiously washed from the skin of the sinner, pipes must be reinstated, plumbing must be reinstalled, poetry existential or recreational. Beautiful words shall not replace essential water in the modern house between sturdy walls, filling ceramic sinks with joyous refreshment, especially after you have the water on for three days. All right, this one's called Lover's Escape. This is for the activists in the crowd and uh, the brutal police murderers of the two most recent black men uh, I have to say something about that. So we have some comments about that in the poem. And argent is French for money. Lovers escape. Optimize the argent, Fifi. 
we need to escape over the hills while the regiments swarm into the city, fighting their mercenary war. Or is it just sacrilege or perhaps blatant greed that jukes the powerful to need more epicenters from which to bleed the populace of their equity? We are still filled with too much love to surrender to their agenda. Our legs are strong. Our minds are rich with fertile plans of sex and adventure, youth and contention. I feel the clouds about to soothe the hot, hot ground, the dry plains that want refreshing rain. A pleasant, smooth wine awaits in another distant town where we may be tomorrow, funded and abundant with the means to savor the fruits of our labor, not stolen by the raucous forces, recruited for their brutality, their heartless strength. We will outwit the belligerent, illiterate, senseless idiots who beat their victims, obeying orders that we will subvert, riding through the countryside, kissing and listening to the birds as we orgasm beneath your skirts. Uh, this is for everybody likes cake. I know your mother probably told you you can't eat your uh, cake until you eat your breakfast or your lunch or your dinner. So this is for everybody that loves cake. It's called At Daybreak, Francis Flake. Francis Flake eats his cake at daybreak before his mother's feet hit the floor. His joy is great. He loves the taste until the seaweed bake is packed and safe inside his lunchbox case, and then the castor oil. That was for Alfalfa and Spanky. Our gang, the rascals. Remember, I had to take the castor oil every morning. Uh, every morning, every morning I awaken, shake my head, the thoughts forsaken, dropping on the page, scattered. I rearrange them. Words that once poetic matter to those who love, who need provided what I give and how I'm minded. I open up to the universe. This is a stretch that I do sometimes. I lean back, put my arms out, bend my wrists, I look up at the sky, and I open up to the I open up to the universe. Arms extended horizontally, palms turned upward, back and neck arched, feeling the sun everywhere, only dressed in my shorts, engrossed in the stretch that receptiveness of my consciousness, loosening my body, cleansing my mind. Now the writer from Lebanon, I believe, right? Khalil Gibran. If you go beyond the borders of reason, 
you may find the answer that you seek. Logic falters at the diamond footpaths crossing before the palace. Empower the boldness of your soul, then continue seeking. All right, let's go to shut up. You ready, Dan? Yep. I my mother, Kathy, you said I should read this, so I'm going to read this. About my mother. Yeah. Okay. Shut up. My mother never learned how to ride a bicycle. Her family came from the old country. She the youngest of seven siblings. The only one born in America. As a woman, she was not encouraged to do physical things. She didn't start driving a car until she was 41. The only vehicle she ever bought for herself was a Camaro, which she drove cautiously. That's her in the Camaro there, 1975 Camaro. Sometimes she would get on a highway, like the Major Deegan Expressway in the Bronx, and occupy the left lane. She wasn't one to obey the rules about the three various lanes, the left being the fastest moving passing lane, the right lane for slower driving, when someone would pull up behind her and start honking his horn, she would just say, shut up, as a verbal response. Remaining where she was, continuing at the same speed, I sitting next to her, the powerless young teenage son, telling her she should switch lanes, she ignoring me, eyes riveted on the road ahead, an angry man speeding around us, after issuing his emotion, pounding on his steering wheel, causing his annoying horn to sound. Occasionally, I drive too slowly, whether due to bad roads or approaching speed bumps or temporary lack of concentration, daydreaming. When the horn honks behind me, I hear myself being my mother saying, shut up, no one else in the car vexed in another hyperactive driver, though I may be the one at fault, usually prodded to accelerate while flashing how so many people are in such a hurry these days. Aren't they? Okay, let's go to Tobago. And we're going to go to a young lady who worked with cars. She had to pick them up. She had a pick card with a license plate P1475 in this poem. Her name is Charmaine. Charmaine in the First Citizens Bank parking lot, which is in the capital city, Scarborough, Tobago. Charmaine. Two years driving a stick shift, accustomed to an automatic, turning at the First Citizens Bank, letting Janny out to claim P1475. Maneuvering around the white pickup parked in the middle of the crowded lot. I want she won't make it, but she backs up from an inadequate angle, scrapes the side of her Hyundai. Once more, she reverses, goes toward the incoming cars, saying how she tries to obey the rules. 
not cranking the wheel hard enough. She bangs into the pickup again, cracking its bumper. She pulls up beside the unattended vehicle, checks her own car, brushes with her fingers, upset slightly that she's done a bit of damage, never glancing at the poor truck, not thinking to leave a note or report the accidental collisions. I hate to drive in Scarborough, she tells me, hesitantly exiting the lot. There are so many crazy drivers here. All right. Let's get a little spiritual. <laughs> All right. So here's one. Uh, I was driving in Tennessee in the spring. It was like change seasons up in the mountains. So this one is called Virginia Car Crash. April 26, 2022. My son is a uh, specialist in, in ships and He's now an illusions specialist, A-L-L-U-S-I-O-N. That's when something crashes into something that's not moving, but one thing is moving. So it's not two cars. A collision is a allusion. She was driving her car. There were tornado warnings and freeze alerts. She felt the wind buffered her car, shifted sideways, crashing against the tree across the opposite side of the road. She, unhurt, able to climb out the passenger door, wondering what had happened when the troopers arriving, discovering there were no skid marks or tire tracks traced into the woods where the car now rested, front end mashed against an oak. She believing God had saved her. He the only one watching over her from above. That's what she said. Okay. Staying on that kind of theme here with lady drivers. This one is for a stewardess. Now, I have this big mustache, right? See? Big mustache. Somebody told me last night, I could see you coming from a mile away. I know that mustache anyway. So, for ladies who will never experience this from the inside, uh, this poem is called, In Your Next Life, You Will Have a Mustache. And this is for the stewardess on the plane with me that day. On the brief bumpy flight, to Baltimore, I ordered a tomato juice on ice with a straw. The turbulence affected the service, which led me to receive the thick red juice without ice or the straw. I immediately mentioned what was missing. Sometimes stewardesses never returning for second visits when they forget something. The descent into Baltimore to begin shortly I decided to drink the juice in its present state before everything could start trembling, though it would now stain my large mustache that covers my mouth, which the straw would have obviated. By the time the stewardess returned with a tiny white straw and pink napkin, I had finished my drink. 
she raising her eyebrows at me, a bit miffed, saying a few words in her southern accent that I didn't quite understand. Walking away toward the rear of the plane, she probably not knowing why exactly I wanted the straw. I'm thinking in her next life, she'd have a mustache. Then she'd comprehend somewhere in her new body's bones an unsettling feeling from her experience with me. Perhaps their guilt that she hadn't been sensitive to my needs up in the friendly skies. When she asked for that straw as a man, slightly perplexed that he could not recall precisely what was causing him to feel strange by his unconscious memory in this next body, though perhaps he'd clip his rim of hair short above his top lip like Clark Gable or Jimi Hendrix. That makes sense, right? Next life, she's a man. Don't get too confused. I know it's the time of gender. Let's stay female. You're gonna like this one, especially all you ladies who can relate to having a purse that you gotta carry around, it's too heavy. This one's called, it's a disease, Richard. You ever have it, a patient with it? It's called persitis. You know what I mean? From the purse, persitis, not bursitis, persitis. After a hard evening at the Dolly Museum, she's got persitis. Two stripes round her right shoulder from carrying the heavy coach bag from painting to painting. Surreal. Impressionistic. Faces hidden subtly. Paronia. Ships passing, smoke trailing behind, beyond a multicolored pastel beach. Now the pain is worsening, spreading down her back over to her neck. Could she have checked the object? Sat upon the lightweight portable seats provided? All the pill bottles, lipsticks, Panamanian money, St. Anthony medals, prayers to Mary, the pinkest book of healing? Could not prevent the syndrome from attacking the poor, frail, female, tramping about each magical room, rubbing tiger balm, applying heat to the tightening muscles, worried about the day ahead, traveling from airport to airport, spasms sure to agitate her tendons, take the joy of pleasure, remembered and re-remembered out of her listing head. Oh, bursitis. The pangs of bursitis. Okay, let's stay with my, this is my ex-wife, my late ex-wife. Her name is Brenda, and this poem is called Fenda Benda. This is for anybody who's taking Fenbenzadol, which you take for cancer which is a underground drug that's coming up made in Lithuania, Richard. 
Bender Bender, very Australian with a little Hawaiian influence. Uh, just in case you don't know, Billabong, Billa is for, the word for water in the local language in Australia, where they imported all these cane frogs to eat some insects, and then the cane frogs had no predators, and they overran Australia so badly that they covered the roads. And they did a, a special, I think it was on the Discovery Channel, where they had an hour show about this, and my son must have watched it a hundred times. We'll just go out on the road. Hated these things. They're so ugly, and they, there's nothing they could do about them. And you just go out on the road and run them over. Cane frogs from Hawaii, they were. Fender Bender, not for Brenda. She rode her bike around the billabong, then squished the cane frog as the outback fried. And I slipped off to surf Fairfield Falls. Big time walls. Drops like you think you'll never get to the bottom. Orange lemurs nibbling bananas in the trees. Traffic on the main highway heavy. The DJ saying everything was a-okay. The trooper writing down the license of the Lexus while the man in the Mercedes cellophane his busty blue-eyed babe, smoking on a stogie, watching the Ferris wheel turn, empty so early in the day. Benda Benda. Not for Brenda. That was all, all great. I'm just amazing, you know, with your bio, they talked about you wrote about surfing and just anything that came to mind. And I'm reflecting back on the the wide range of topics, the plumbing, <laughs> changing the poetry, the lover's escape, the kid eating the cake, you know, where his mom has castor oil for him. You're stretching and opening yourself to the universe. You're visiting the the, the wisdom and uh, imagery of Cahill Gibran, your mom in the car telling you to shut up. <laughs> the, 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 parking yeah. lot, the parking lot in, in Tobago, the woman saved by the car crash in Virginia, uh, the, the the imagery of your red. I'm trying to imagine you with a red mustache. <laughs> and the, yeah, the, you know, like once it gets on there, it's hard to get it off. And that interplay between so. the cancer drug and the plague of the frogs in Australia was just brilliant. So we look forward to bringing you back <laughs> for an encore. Okay. okay. All right, we're going to move now into the open read. We will bring Claude back for an encore. And as is our tradition, let me just um, pull up here. For those of you who are new, uh, we do uh, have certain parameters for the open read. So um, if you want to read, uh, put your name in chat. I've been keeping multitasking here. So we've got uh, about 10 people that want to read so far. So if you, you want to read and you haven't put your name in chat, please put your name in chat. Uh, we will call you in the order you appear, and I'll announce them in groups of three. Please, only one poem, and please, a maximum of five minutes. Uh, please keep your microphone muted uh, until it's time for you to read, and please wait to be called upon uh, to read. So very simple guidelines that have served us well. So Marvin, you go first. So over to you, Marvin. The title of the poem is Rockaway Line. Rockaway Line is a line on the Long Island Railroad. The speaker in this poem is not necessarily 
the poet. Woodmere, I want to tell her she's wasting a life reading that trash with the glittering cover. I leaned over and read a line once. She wiggled out of the nightgown, Jason gasped. I want to tell her, Valley Stream. But do I want to tell her, she with the red nails, who with the book on her lap, takes out her beauty shop and brushes on a new day. Some morning a friend sits on the aisle and they talk of dancing in Florida. And you're a fool if you don't make reservations. And the guys are cute. And I'm going to waste breath on someone like her, Rosedale. I want to tell her that if she lived many lives, that one could deal with Bloomingdale's and Dynasty and Glamour magazines. But there is only one life, and it's speeding by as the train is, and there is no round trip. Locust Manor. But can I reach her? Is there something to touch that might quiver the shot or Mozart? Is that painted face hiding another painted one, skin deep? Can I bore through the plastered wall, get past the eyes rimmed by purples and catch a flame? Or was it never there? Forest Hills, who am I? Am I a God who knows what is Olympian? Perhaps she's happy and that's enough. Among the yachts of Antibes, the boudoirs of sheiks and shahs, the ancient castles warmed by a new lit love all secondhand, written by a packager of female toys, the tunnel. I want to tell her that tinsel-covered books, acid-scar the minds, but in a perfumed world, how far away she is. A seat away could be from Thomas Mann to what's that name? Penn Station, another trip wasted. Someone who rode the Long Island Railroad for 30 years. <laughs> particularly uh, particularly powerful. Thank you. Now, okay, Shu, over to you. I post my poem on the chat so you can follow. The title is Don't Know. Don't know when the tightly holded hands couldn't reach each other anymore. Don't know where we walked onto separate paths. I turn around, you are out of sight. Don't know why our bond has come to an end. Now became completely strangers, nothing left to share. Don't know how we lost each other on this journey, no longer to revive, now we each on our own. Don't know what should I do to comfort the longing heart. Goodbye, I miss you. The once we, now just you and I. Thank you. Beautiful, Shu. Beautiful, and thank, thank you for sharing it with us. And you know, you've been with us uh, now just about every month, and each time you read, you read with more confidence. And thank you. It's uh, thank you so much for being part of this. Okay, next poem is by Dan Kerr, and I'll just give two bits of background information. Uh, those Christians in the group will remember the, um, the trial of Jesus before Pilate and the choice that Pilate made. 
Um, and also, I think of one of our great founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, and I think the wisest thing that he said was that he would never let a difference in politics, religion, or philosophy ever come between friends. So with that, I, I read this poem that I just wrote. It's called Give Us Barabbas. When Andrea Mitchell reported Putin uh, gave Biden a choice of which Russian prisoner to free, I thought of Pontius Pilate and the mob outside his palace 2,000 years ago. History and the Bible record he gave the crowd a choice of his freeing Jesus or freeing Barabbas. And the crowd shouted, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. Brittany Griner was convicted of smuggling drugs. Paul Whelan was convicted of smiling for the USA. And the crowd shouted, give us the black woman. Griner was a prisoner for nine months, Whelan for four years. And the crowd shouted, give us the lesbian. Griner played basketball. Whalen was a former Marine, and the crowd shouted, give us the player that took the knee during the national anthem. Biden's decisions are through the lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Better to check the box than make the best decision. Janet Yellen was the first female secretary of the treasury and told us all inflation was temporary. Sam Britton was the first non-binary person in the federal government leadership. Instead of safeguarding spent nuclear fuel, he stole ladies' luggage at airports. Pete Buttigieg is the first gay man to serve as Secretary of Transportation. We are all reminded of his effectiveness every time our flight is canceled or when young women search for baby formula. Karine Jean-Pierre is the first Black and first lesbian to serve as Presidential Press Secretary. We're all waiting for her to answer at least one of Peter Ducey's questions. Kamala Harris is the first v black VP and the highest ranking female in the US history. As she cackles and goes on about the beauty of yellow school buses, illegal immigrants flood into the US and fentanyl is killing America's youth. 60 years ago, Martin Luther King had a dream. People would be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Biden must have forgotten Dr. King's dream, the first the female black lesbian basketball player is free. The straight white male Marine is still in jail. And character has been sent to the back of the bus by the myopic Biden Thank you. Okay, so I don't know if I'm gonna put up the big view here. Is there anyone else, Kathy, would you like to read today? I know you got the plumbing issue. Right <laughs> Okay. Okay, Kathy. Um, that was a rather uh, informative little poem there, Dan. I noticed the need for the preamble, yes. Um, let me just say, Claude, you were wonderful. I There was one poem that just made me kind of laugh because, you know, the woman with the bus um, or the, the accident, so often, whatever happens in traffic accidents or in almost any experience, people look to see whose fault it is in everyone around them and never look to themselves when chances are they themselves are the cause of the incident. It's a very interesting uh, phenomenon. Um, I have a short one here, um, having taken a trip to Mexico. It's called Intuitive. It was in his voice, not the walk that took on 
that of a laborer pulling a plow, planting his seed, nor his expression that appeared lost and out of place like a pup without its mother or a child who watched his father turn the bend. His face said nothing remarkable, hair didn't curl, eyes with no particular color that didn't seem to blink. Is that is that too loud, that noise? No, it's okay. Okay, so sorry. Um, so he seemed lost and out of place like a pup without his mother or a child who watched his father turn the bend. His face said nothing remarkable, hair didn't curl, eyes with no particular color that didn't seem to blink. His form rounded in the middle, hard, left a shirt hard to tuck. It was when he spoke a soft velvet deepness, as if singing a song, slow, careful words about his feelings, what it meant to be in love. The appreciation of her body, her curves, the softness of her skin, how it caused him to linger. He didn't know her name. They had never met. Perhaps he was afraid to do more than look. But he perceived a wanting, a longing from across the room, and somehow knew one day they would touch. Okay, are there anyone else who would like to read before we bring Claude back for an encore? You can just wave or in chat. I don't see anyone else waving. I don't see anyone else in chat. So back to you, Claude. All right, we'll, we'll end it with a couple of poems. It's, tell me if we get too close to five minutes. Okay. Uh, a lot of places in the world have uh, tsunamis that hit their coastline. And many of them, like in Japan, they have places where you're supposed to climb higher than a certain um, height, usually marked on the trails where you should get above the possible grasp of uh, a tsunami that might break. And they have uh, alarms and sirens that go off when a tsunami is coming. After the tsunami alarm, Supersede the sinuous sentimentality prevalent at the end of the trail when the lights fail and the sirens go out, a tsunami rolling up the river. You slowly mount the steps to the monastery atop the misty plateau. Remember your days of vigor, your strapping sense of love. Dream afternoons with the snow shining in the aftermath of a blizzard. Damp branches crackling. The fire steady. The tea still warm. You want to see the appearance of the wave from high above it in a safe place. Climb like a youth, but feeling your tendons tighten, your muscles creak having to moderate your exertion, to relax, to breathe deeply and slowly. Be in the moment, the clear, fresh air. So many memories flooding your vision, tripping on a step, banging your knee on some fortunate moss, thankful it was poised there for you. Resignation, acceptance, struggling anyway, 
stretching for the last handrail, the Buddha watching you as you exhale, temporarily disappear in a cloud. Your energy no longer boundless, thinking of the soap opera playing on the TV you abandoned after you heard the second alarm. Do time for one more, Dan? Yes, you do. Go for okay, it. might as well give you surf. Might as well give you a surfing poem. Actually, I have two here, but I don't know if I can do them fast enough. Trump Thanksgiving yesterday, 2002, the tubes were grooving. The tube is what you want to get inside of when you're surfing away the hollow part to get inside there. The tubes were grooving yesterday. The water light green. Nobody out but myself and Richard Chook Barkant as the waves increased in size, the wind offshore, the inside sections hollow and perfect, cruising inside them, a hundred yard long rides, sets overhead, starting near the point, the fun board functional, the ecstasy high, one more night. Oh, that's it. One more. One more. I can't hear you, Dan, but I'll, I'll do it anyway. Yes. This is next this <laughs> next day. So this is the next day after Thanksgiving Day. After the, the day when the waves are great. Today is the day after. Two Norwegian surfers floundering after tiny, unrideable waves. The ocean like that. Cosmic and tubey one morning. Better and better in pulses as the day progressed and blew our minds away. Next dawn, nothing. The distant genesis moving out of our convergence zone, leaving us remembering instead of paddling, dropping in, seeing the perfect line ahead. Those tubes waiting when we reach the inside hollows of a magic, glorious, day say hey willie that's all she wrote fat woman singing thank you well thank you very much for coming interesting yeah thank you <clears throat> any, any uh comments or you want me to pull up the uh well, I have a couple of comments. Okay. First, first of all, I was listening to your voice very carefully, and it's a great radio voice. You remind me, I had a sudden distant memory of listening to Lauren John Neville on the radio at night as a kid. So I, I could see why you were great at that. Second of all, the, the Persitis poem really resonated with me. And my wife has had recurrent Persitis, and I kept on telling her, your bag's too heavy. But I have no authority with, with that bag whatsoever. Okay. Well, you, I'll mail you the poem and you can send it to her. Yeah, that's great. And then uh, third of all, you know, basically that, um, where was that surfing? Was that Kauai? That's a secret spot in the Caribbean. I cannot say. Oh, okay. It reminded me of sort of. I'm cosmically bound. It reminded me of the North Shore of Oahu, actually, a little bit. But I don't know. Anyway, thanks for coming. Yeah. It's really
There's a special well, any great any great wave will break like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a beautiful day. Yeah. Two days out of beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Great dream. I think Marvin wants to say something. Uncle Dan. No. Margaret, if, Margaret, if you want to say something, just put them off mute. Okay. And if not, uh, Richard, I'll go over to you to announce the uh, the next next sure. reader. <laughs> well, we we have a treat next month. Uh, Gloria G. Murray. I've known Gloria for a long time. She's been a pretty active poet on the scene. Uh, free verse and explores domestic romantic love. I'm not sure, Rye Humor, it's, it's better than Rye Humor. I say it incorporates Rye Humor, but she's really good at it. And her poem, My Mother's House, I know it had been featured by Ted Kuzer. Uh, and I didn't know that she had this uh, grant to publish her, her chapter at My Mother's House. His poems have appeared in a number of journals, and she's a Long Islander. Uh, and we're going to have a, a we're going to have a great time listening to her. I'm sure it'd be a lot of fun. Okay. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, remember, we do this uh, the second uh, Saturday of every month, and I'm going to uh, turn off the mic now, and we can have a, a discussion amongst any of the people who would uh, like to uh, join in the discussion. So I have stopped the.